Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Shade the Blue Soccer Show. This is Thad. Uh, I believe on the line I have Mike. You there? I'm here. All right. We were supposed to be joined by Jeff Houston tonight, but he's uh, feeling a little ill. I'm wondering if it was the first half of the sporting game that might have done that to him, Mike. <laughs> potentially. Uh, after watching the first half, yeah, that's the definite potential. Hopefully he watch the second half and he'll recover. But um, anyway, we're here for to talk about the Comets tonight. And just because I haven't officially done it, this is Mike Kuhn. Or on the line we have Mike Kuhn. I'm Thad Bell, Mike's uh, of Down the Byline fame, and I am with the Blue Testament. Uh, we'll, in a few minutes, uh, probably in just a couple minutes, we'll have uh, Comets head coach Waco Andonofsky joining us. But we figured we could uh, at least talk a little bit about how good the Comets are doing so far, 19-0. and We've been pretty dominating the uh, league so far, wouldn't you say, Mike? Yeah, it's been, it's been a uh, a... Yeah, dominating would be be a nice way to put it. They've r- really it, they've had three, four games where there's been real challenges. I think, but for the most part, they it, it's not been a it, it's it's not been the type of season that I think a lot of people were were expecting f- from the comments. I think yeah. I think they expected them to be good. I'm just. I don't think anybody expected them to be this good. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. I mean, so far, Monterey uh, in in Monterey gave them a game. San Diego here gave them a game for a half. Uh, Milwaukee a couple games, but after that, there wasn't a lot of really stiff competition. I mean, they some teams may have hung around for a quarter or a half, but it, comments just seemed to take them after that. Yeah, it just <clears throat> the yeah the by, by some point in the game the, the the big thing that worked out for the comets was their high pressure. I mean, but at some point in the game, the comets are, are always really going to hit you with their high pressure, and more often than not, that's when the game really starts to take a turn in the comets' favor. Whether it's in the first quarter, like uh, against uh, Chicago early in the season, where they scored. Uh, where they scored seven goals in the first quarter, or or again against uh, did, they did the same against Tulsa this past weekend, or, or whether it's uh, wh- whether it's even something like uh, against uh, against San Diego, where it's more of a a uh, late third, early fourth quarter, where they really start to grind it with the high pressure and really start to make the the other team really uh, make the mistakes. So it, it, it's just a matter of when they really deploy that that high pressure that that has become a staple for them. Uh, do you think it's a matter of when they deploy it, or when the when it breaks through and just destroys the other team? I don't, I don't that may, may destroy maybe a, a a little bit of pejorative word there, but it, you know they, are they applying high pressure usually from the start and then it just wears down the other team at some point and they once they 
once they break them, they they're in, or is, is, do you think it really is that they wait till the right moment and then apply it hard? I, I think some of it is waiting till the to the right moment. I mean, if you look at a game like uh, like San Diego, for example, I, I don't think they came out with that high pressure. And but besides the the Comets want to play it, I think it also depends on on how the other team comes out. San Diego came out in, in their game and in the game here and really didn't allow the Comets to really deploy the high pressure early on like like the Comets had done against the likes of Chicago um, or, or Tulsa. So it, it was one of those situations where they the the high pressure didn't work early, so they they went away from it, came back to it later when they when when they had the ability to make it really work. At least that's what I would what what I've seen from the team this year. Yeah. Now we we've we've already said that the comments are nineteen and zero. Um, they've dominated most games easily, and you know they've had a few tough games. Uh, but it doesn't matter really how much how bad the competition is. Sometimes it's hard to go nineteen and zero. Um, you know, even when you have some bad competition, because you you would expect that at some point a team is going to have a little stumble and you know just blow a game at some point. No, absolutely. I mean, we we can talk talk about how some of the teams in the in the NASL how how some of the how many of them don't stack up to. Uh, to, to the level that I think a lot of us would have would have liked to have seen, but you don't go you don't go nineteen to zero. You aren't on the verge of a, a undefeated regular season without playing well the entire way through without without having those the, those stumbling blocks along the way, and it's it's one of those things, and I'm sure. You always wonder whether you always have a discussion. Do you want to lose during the regular season, or do you want to have that one loss potentially be in the playoffs, sort of thing? And it looks like Missouri is going to be in that point where they'll head into the playoffs without a loss, uh, depending on how this weekend's game uh, goes against Tacoma. But I, I think the team is strong enough, and they have enough veteran indoor leadership on this team that I don't think that. That shouldn't have that much of an effect on them, I would think. Uh, and speaking of veteran leadership, uh, looks like Vaco has joined us. Um, Coach, are you there? Yes, uh, I'm here. So, uh, for just for anybody who may not realize, uh, the head coach of the Missouri Comets, the 19 and 0 Missouri Comets, the defending MISL champion Missouri Comets, uh, Vaco Andonofsky. Welcome to the show again, Coach. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, Mike and I were just talking about how difficult it is to go 19-0, and 0, regardless of some, you know the quality of the competition across the board. You, you face some stiff competition. Um, what were you expecting to be at this point in the season? I know you plan these things out pretty carefully and have your expectations. What were you thinking your record would be about this point? At the... At this point, I mean, uh, talking about the end of the season, um, I actually thought that we're going to be uh, 16 and four, which would still give us a first place um, in our conference. Before the season, I always break it down to uh, four, uh, break down the, the league into or the season into four segments, and uh, our goal was uh, in every segment to be four and one. Looking at the competition, uh, you know, we were hoping that we're going to be four and one, and then I presented that to the players. They thought that it's pretty realistic. 
and I said, if we go four and one in every uh, in every segment, we're going to win our uh, conference, uh, which it seems like uh, we would have. But uh, you know, we went five and zero the first segment, and then five and zero the second segment, and uh, it just uh, got better from there. What do you think your chance of going five and zero in the last segment here is, Coach? I think that we have a pretty good chance. I mean, you know, uh, I think that uh, we're good enough to to win this last game. But uh, you know, uh, this game you never know. Uh, you know, you can have a uh, as a team we can have a bad day and uh, anything can happen. But uh, you know, I think that uh, our chances, I mean, the chances of winning this game are on our side. Yeah. Now, I know you you didn't set the goal of being twenty and zero at the end of the at the end of the regular season, but now that you're there, it, does it take on a little bit of life of its own? Do you want to finish twenty and zero, or is it still? Are you still going to give me the the good coach answer that it's just the next game that is all that matters? Yeah, I mean at this point it's only one game. Uh, it's only one game left. It's not like uh, it's not like who, who, you know we're gonna go there and say hey, it's all right if we lose or win. We're still first place. No, absolutely, we're gonna go out there and uh, do our best and uh, win the game. And uh, you know if that means that winning it by by uh, one goal, that you know that's what we're gonna do. Or if it means that winning by ten goals, we're still gonna do this, the same thing. It's not, you know nothing is gonna change uh, what we're gonna do out there on Sunday. Yeah. Um, did you have any questions for Coach Mike? Well, yeah, Coach. I, I know you got guys like uh, Cody and Max and Danny even that are, that are coming back from, from injuries. I know against Tulsa was really the first time you had all those guys really back in, in the lineup. It, how important is it to really get the, all those guys back integrated, back into the team Heading into the playoffs, heading into the uh, that stretch of the season, you know, at uh, at some point uh, this past couple of weeks, I, I heard lots of rumors. Uh, you know, comments are going to try this, comments are going to try that, comments are going to do this or that. No, comments are are going to go uh, every game and going to have the same approach every game, be the best that they can be and get the best possible result that they can get and. Uh, for us, uh, if that means uh, having uh, Cody, Max, Danny, everyone on the field, that's all we're going to do. I mean, they were ready to play, and they're going to play. And uh, it's important for them to get some minutes before uh, heading into playoffs and playing teams like uh, Chicago or Milwaukee. Speaking of going into playoffs, playing teams like Chicago and Milwaukee, uh, again, not to to say bad things about other teams, but the last couple teams of the regular season are going to be teams that are on the low end of their uh, standings. Uh, is it hard to go into the playoffs playing some of those teams versus a Milwaukee or a Baltimore? You, you know, our, our first game is going to be on, uh, it's going to be on March 12th, which is, uh, uh, what is it? 20 days, actually, sorry, 18 days uh, from our last game. So, whether we played uh, Baltimore or Syracuse or San Diego, or we played uh, St. Louis and uh, and uh, Tulsa, after 18 days, it's not going to make uh, much of a difference. I mean, it's the 18 days that we have to sit is what is going to make it difficult for us. It, it's not going to uh, make any difference to the, the opponent that we have uh, right now. Do you do you think that the the large break there the the eighteen day break do you, is is that a bit of a hindrance for for you guys you think with with the fact that 
Milwaukee, Chicago, they'll, they'll be playing back-to-back weekends, getting those game-ins, getting to, getting to take their aggression out on somebody other than their teammates in practice. It, so is that, is that something that concerns you at all? Yes, uh, that's that's what I thought. Uh, that's what I said earlier. You know, that's what makes it difficult for us. I mean, uh, practicing, getting uh, getting ready for something for a long period of time, uh, especially soccer uh, or any, I guess, any sport, not just soccer. It's just just hard uh, mentally, and uh, it will be hard for me to motivate the players uh, every practice day in and then out and tell them, hey. Three weeks from now, we have a game. We gotta get ready. To it's a little bit easier when we know it's like four days from now or five days from now. We you know we're getting ready. It's uh, uh, it's a little more dynamic, but uh, there, there, there's nothing we can do. I mean that's the schedule, and uh, now as professionals, I mean we gotta go out and do our best. Now you know now what is gonna happen at the end? I guess we'll, we'll see when it comes time for it. For uh. Mike and I were talking about the, how you guys like the high pressure and, and turn it on at, at points to uh, to knock a team out essentially in a game, I guess. Uh, but you have so many players that are in the top of the charts for scoring. Uh, Leo's at the top. I think the Heat's like third. You've got several players spread out throughout the top 20, I believe, uh, Perez and Harris and Sosa. Um uh, would you consider yourself a more defensive team or more attacking team or just really well balanced? I think that uh, we're uh, definitely an attacking team. We play a good organized discipline defense, but uh, our goal is uh, to score more goals than the opponents. And uh, I think that uh, the stats uh, show that uh, pretty well, that uh, when we go out, our goal is uh, to, to just to, to score goals. And uh, it's the, Another reason why we want to do that is uh, we we want to put up a good show for for the fans. Uh, we want to entertain the fans, and uh, most uh, most in uh, anything uh, they're entertained by uh, by good goals, and uh, that's what that's what we want to do. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Leo uh, being at the top of the scoring chart, uh, he scored four goals, five assists this last game, and uh, he wasn't in uh, this week's. Uh, team of the week, and uh, were you surprised by that? You know what? I'm, you know, when I look at team team of the weeks in the uh, from the from the beginning of the season until now, nothing surprises me anymore. But uh, you know, if you if you look at every every weekend, every game that we had, I mean, I feel like we we should have had, uh, at least one player in uh, every team of the week. But. Uh, so I'm, I know I know Leo very well, and uh, if you if you ask him when he was team of the week, he didn't, he didn't even know. Like we would come on practice Monday, Tuesday, he had no idea. Or whenever they announced it, Wednesday, Thursday, he he has no idea that he was team of the week. He does, he didn't he doesn't even know that, that such a thing exists. I mean, the, the, which is great. I love that attitude because uh, he's not there to be team of the week. He's not there to be a player of the week or or of the month. I mean. He, he has a job to do, and uh, he, you know, his job is to, uh, I guess, uh, score goals, make everyone else around him uh, better, and uh, as, and win the game as a whole. So that that's what he does. Um, I think Mike would agree that probably one of the bigger surprises is that uh, Danny hasn't been on one of those teams of the week so far this year. Yeah, I mean, like I said. Nothing surprises me anymore when I, when I look at the team of the week uh, <laughs> selections. Uh, so, I mean, you you have hands down 
top two goalkeepers in this league, top three goalkeepers in the league. I mean, the guys on the national team, uh, you know, futsal goalkeeper, he has kept us in the game and won games for us uh, throughout throughout the season. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't. I, I don't. I, I. I don't think it's worth even discussing. You know whether he deserves to be on team of the week or not. <laughs> no, no. I. I, I would agree. Um, looking back uh, a few games ago, though, when he was coming back off of injury and he gave you such a great performance down in Mexico, where he was, I. I you know, I could see him limping and hobbling on the, on the broadcast, but yet he came up with big save after big save. But. Uh, you know that that's uh, Danny's just an, another person that uh, you know doesn't really doesn't really care or doesn't worry too much whether he's team of the week or not. Uh, so far in the in the whole season, we've probably had I don't know twelve or thirteen different or uh, maybe ten ten different players uh, being team of the week 12, uh, thirteen fourteen times. I can't even remember. Like I know, and I'm sure some of the players know, but it has only been, uh, been brought up once. Uh, once in our uh, uh, in our arena, I mean, uh, at our practice, only once. Someone someone made a comment, and that was that was about it. I don't think that uh, players are paying attention that or that uh, at all, or that they worry or care much about it. Like I said, we all have a, one goal in mind, and uh, that's what we're that's what we're working towards. Anything else to throw in there, Mike? No, I I mean I. I... I would tend to agree. I mean, we we had Thad. We had a discussion earlier today uh, via text about 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 the team of the week and about the 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 lack of uh, of Danny and Leo not making team of the week specifically this week. And the the guys the guys do strike me as like as Vlatko said the, with the. It's not something that seems to be at the forefront. They're, the team seems to be focused specifically on on the on the team. I guess would be a good way to put it. Um, and Vlaku can correct me if I'm wrong, but that that just seems to be the focus right now. Is they're focused on they're focused on Tacoma right now, basically. Yes, I mean uh, that's all it is. Uh, I mean looking looking the uh, in the awards last year, you know. No one can tell me that uh, Leo did not deserve to be player of the year. I mean, MVP last year. And uh, I think the whole team was more upset, myself included, than uh, Leo. And the, the, the whole time, he said, you know, he, he was just, he was the one that was coming us down. I was like, hey, guys, don't worry about it. Well, you know, we got games in front of us that we have to win. You know, if we win the big one, who cares who's gonna you know who's gonna be the MVP or who's gonna be the leading scorer or whatever? Let's let's just be, uh, win the big one, and it's the same same way now. I don't think that uh, anyone has ever you know said anything uh, about uh, you know Leo being team of the week or Danny being team of the week or Leo being the leading scorer. It's uh, it's all about winning the big one. Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong. I don't mean to imply that they they care about it so much. It's just the uh, from the outside looking in, it's it's amazing that they haven't been uh, recognized as much as what we probably think they should. Uh, you know, I you know I come to practice, you know, watch you guys once a week or so, and watch Leo and how much he stays after practice to to work out, or he'll help rookies do workouts after practice and things like that, and how unselfish he is. Um, 
but I think that's pretty much you could say that about majority of the team at this point, couldn't you? Yes, absolutely. I mean, what makes this team special is uh, that uh, they don't see this uh, this this practice as uh, as job anymore. You know, maybe you know at some point they, they were seeing it, but right now is a get together with the boys. That's that's what it is. You know, our practice starts at uh, nine o'clock. At eight o'clock, the guys are already in the locker room. You know, Danny has his uh, drums in the in the locker room. They're play, you know, someone someone is playing the drums. You know, the boys. Some of the boys are already on the field. The practice finishes at uh, ten thirty. We're you know we're leaving the field at eleven fifteen, eleven thirty, eleven forty-five. You know what? That's what that's what makes me happy. I mean, that when I see when I see something like that, I know that they they enjoy being there, and uh, you know that's the environment that uh, that. I had in my mind that I wanted to create it early on, and I'm glad uh, I'm glad uh, they love it, and uh, that's probably one of the reasons why they're as successful as they are. And it's, uh, I, I do, and having known you now for a while, Coach, I, you know, I can see that that that's your mentality that you help uh, imprint on the team. But uh, like I saw one of your uh, notes the other day about something about how you know. What have you done to make this team better today? Or, you know, are you going out to make your teammate better? Are you going to help your teammate look better? It was it was some notes like that that you had, you know, for the team, and I just I was kind of impressed with that's, you know, you're still reinforcing that even when you guys are at this this good of a stage. Where did you see those notes, by the way? <laughs> you had a big clipboard with or a big board with them standing in front of me. Oh yes, yes, yes. I didn't. Uh, I didn't want to give. Yeah. I don't want to. I'm not going to give away everything you had written on there, Coach. That's not what I'm doing. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's. Uh, you know. Uh, that's one of the. Uh, one of the things that uh, that I use when uh, in my pregame speeches, uh, like uh, every time we, uh, I have two key key things, and you know what are going to be. What is it that going to be? two key things uh, for this game or, or for, you know, the next game, you know. So uh, I think that uh, for uh, if it was Tulsa or the game before against uh, Wichita, I can't really remember. But uh, anyways, uh, I, I guess I have to look at my notes. But uh, one of the key things is what you what you just mentioned is, uh, okay, are we the, are we this uh, – Superstars now that are 18 and 0 or 19 and 0, and uh, and uh, we don't, you know, we're just gonna step up on the field and win the game. It's just gonna happen for us, or are we the same team that we were last week or week before and week before, and we're gonna step up on the field and we'll make it happen for us. So you know, that's the mentality that we've had, uh, the, or the approach that we had every game, and uh, it hasn't changed. I mean, uh, it was the same thing when we played the first game in Dallas. And it's gonna be. I can promise you that it's gonna be the same thing uh, when we uh, when we step up on Sunday. Cool. Like I said, I didn't want to give away any of your uh, super secret notes, but I didn't think you would mind me saying that one at least. Oh no, no, absolutely. Um, That's funny. Yeah, <laughs> you mentioned that. I was like, uh, I didn't know if some of the someone from the players shared it with you. Or, uh, that's fine. No, you were carrying the, uh, the those big pad of paper uh, that goes on like an easel. I can't think of the right term for it, but uh, yeah. you were you were talking to me and you showed it to me. <laughs> so, yeah. um, right. but, so anyway, um, Mike, you have anything else for coach, or should we let him go and let him get some rest so he can get out there and coach those guys <laughs> in the morning? 
No, I got nothing. Thank, thanks for joining us, Coach. No problem. Thank you very much for having me on. We'll uh, we'll do it again soon when you're 20 and 0 and going into the playoffs, right? All right, no problem. I hope so. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, Coach. All right. Thank you. Bye. Yeah. Well, was, uh, appreciate Coach joining us. Um, he does have to get up early in the morning to get to, get to practice. But I uh, appreciate him spending the time with us. Um, any takeaways from what uh, Coach had to say, Mike? I mean, I, I just – I continue to be impressed with the with the way he – he gets things done with with not just this team, but also with FC Kansas City. And it just listening to him, you, you can you, you get a sense of just how much knowledge he has about the game and about these players to to have them prepared every week for for each game. Basically, it just continues to impress me the uh, his level of commitment. Um, and I know we've had a discussion. I know. I know he would never cop to it, but you, you got to wonder at what point if if bigger and better things are going to going to come for him, uh, wanting him to go go elsewhere, whether it be whether it be uh, something at the national level with one of the women's teams, or whether it's even uh, a men's team in somewhere else as well. It, how how much longer the the specifically the Comets, um, but FC Casey as well, how much longer they're going to be able to hold on to him as a head coach. Yeah, it's um, definitely one of my worries. Um, I I will tell you my hope is that when uh, they have the National Training Center built out here that he maybe moves to the U.S. uh, national team side, maybe like the U23s or something like that. Maybe he can stick around and still coach the Comets. Um, you know, something along that line, but uh, he could move to something a little uh, higher level. But I would, I would actually wonder if, um, you know, like maybe the MLS side wouldn't look at him in the same way they would if he was coaching, you know, a USL team or something like that. You know what I mean? Just because of the women and then it being indoor soccer. But at least on the women's side, you know, they would look at him as a positive on the national team side. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I, he, it is definitely one of my worries that any day now, you know, we're going to get the press release that he's uh, been hired to go someplace else. All right. Um, let's see. We, we've we kind of hit on the whole team of the week thing a little bit, probably a little more on coach than I really intended to. I didn't mean to make him put, feel like he was on the spot that he had to, to respond there. Um, it was just, it was more meant to be lighthearted, but I think he took it a little seriously. Um, but it just we we've discussed a little bit in the past, and I know we, both of us were happy that there's an indoor league uh, existing because we both like the game. You know, some of the soccer purists out there don't really like it, but I know both of us do. But the when this league was formed out of the remnants of the NISL. Um, and then the, the the old PASL, and they formed the new league, the MASL, under new ownership and everything else. We kind of were expected some rough moments, but it's been a little bit interesting this year, hasn't it? Yeah, it, it's it, it's one of those things that's like 
the, the best way I put it to some friends of mine who don't follow indoor as well is, is, is I'll ask them about how frustrated they get with MLS and some of the, the their rules and regulations and player acquisition rules and all that. And, and then I'll tell them to, to kind of multiply that because the, some of the stuff that goes on within the MASL just has head scratching might not be a strong enough way to put how, how this season has felt at times. Mind boggling. <laughs> um, well, let's just start from the beginning a little bit. And when they announced the league, uh, at one point they announced that there was going to be two different scoring systems. Now, some people were immediately said that was the worst thing ever. Um, I kind of probably defended it a little more than most people. I, I, I shouldn't say a little more. I defended it, I think, a lot more than most people. Because I kind of looked at it as, you know, American League and National League have different, you know, rules on designated hitters. Uh, and I know sometimes, like, college uh, conferences will experiment with a rule where another conference won't, you know, and there's some variances in those type of things. So I wasn't so much upset about it. I think what bothered me the most is that you had four teams in one division that used multi-point scoring and one team that didn't. I think if it was the whole division, I would have been completely fine with it. <laughs> but that was a, that was just like the bizarre start to this whole league, wasn't it? No, yeah, it was, but uh, and you can even go before that to to the fact that before the season even started, they said that it would be a 2014 league and that Cincinnati would be in the league. And come the schedule, there's only 23, and we we have no no word about what happened to Cincinnati in there and, and what was going to take place with that. So it, it got started even even before we learned about the scoring system when we heard all the teams that were involved, and then come come release of the schedule and the rules and all that, or not of the rules that that was another part, but come the release of the two scoring <laughs> systems, and, and there's no Cincinnati to be found. So it it, it just it started with the, even the beginning of the the, the announcement of, of the league as a whole before before even the scoring systems. It's just been one thing after another. You can then go to the uh, to the uh, Earl Dion thing with the Seattle Impact and that lawsuit that I believe is still actually kind of pending, even though Earl is, even though even though he's out of the, out of the league. Um, no, this, this is for clarification for anybody who doesn't follow it, though. Uh, the Seattle Impact were one of the first teams in the league, or with the team that when the league was founded under the uh, ownership of Earl Dion, who was the player slash coach also. But they quickly became a target of uh, sexual harassment, sexual assault lawsuits that also named the league as co-defendants and stuff, I believe, also. Um, but they have since dropped out of the league and been replaced by Tacoma, who probably should have been the team that they chose in the first place to go into the league, but we don't know the decision-making on why they chose Seattle over Tacoma. And sorry, I didn't mean to, don't want to interrupt. I just want, in case anybody doesn't know that history, at least cover that little bit there. No, that, that's quite all right. I mean, from there you go with the fact that, that well, then, then we go to the fact that there was a rule change, what, uh, two weeks into the season after the, the announcement that, any blue card foul was going to result in a in a shootout attempt. Um, that 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 lasted what two weeks? I think Leo scored like 
six, seven goals in the first two games, <laughs> many of them off of shootouts because of that, that rule. And that, yep. that quickly got scrapped, but who could have seen that coming that it's going to taint, taint things when a blue card occurs at the opposite end of the field or if the referees wouldn't actually give the shootout attempt, which I think happened once or twice. So it, 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 it just continued to, to spiral from there. And then you have, um, then you have uh, Hidalgo, Hidalgo, yeah, I can't say that, um, who folded, who, who the league said folded, but then the league team said that they didn't fold, and that became a huge cluster all of its own. Yeah, because they then tried to reschedule extra games or tried to, like, fill in all the games with other teams. Um, and you ended up with um, – was it in Dallas at Monterey who played a doubleheader, but it was actually one full game and one 15-minute game? Yeah, you had you uh, had Monterey – you had Dallas go down to Monterey, play, a, play one regular game, and then play a mini game. And I think there also was one team – one set of teams that actually did play a a full doubleheader at one point, I think, if I remember right. It would just and, and that's glossing over the whole the whole ownership situation to begin with, where the owner came out, where the Hidalgo owner came out afterward and claimed that no, we didn't drop out of the league. We 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 had sent a letter to the league and then never heard anything back. So we just went forward and we found new owners, and then all of a sudden the league pulled the for lack of a better term, pulled the rug out from under them and said, oh, we accept your your uh, your withdrawal from the league after they had had a forfeit, after they had to forfeit a game because they had a game moved to another facility and that facility didn't have goals that were big enough. Did I kind of get that one right? Uh, to be honest, uh, most of it at least, yes. I'm not 100% sure <laughs> on all of it because... I, it's the the league has been enough of a soap opera that I haven't been able to follow everything. But now, just to go back for a second, though, uh, we talked about Cincinnati who dropped out before the the, the season started, before the before the schedules came out and everything. Um, one of the Cincinnati people came on to the forum and said they were kicked out because they didn't have a they didn't meet certain criteria that a lot of other teams in the league didn't meet also. I'm thinking the size of the arena. Um, yeah. So they were confused about why they weren't allowed to play when, um, you know, some of these other teams who played in rather small arenas um, were allowed to. Um, and then talking about, um, like, the Hidalgo, maybe the goals being the wrong size, uh, Saltillo, their goals are different size they're actually higher than the regulation goals for everybody else. But they're allowed to play in an outdoor arena. <laughs> that looks like it holds maybe 500 people. Yeah, and according to some of the comments I spoke to, it was uh, they were looking forward to going there just because it would be something really different. But they said it was uh, really odd. The uh, I think the the corners aren't rounded. The boards have a lot of dead spots, so you like play the ball off the wall and it'll just drop. Uh, it's on concrete, you know. It's a thin carpet on hard concrete with no padding, you know, because it's all outdoors. Um, 
it was like 30, low 30s when they played, and there was frost on the carpet. <laughs> so you can go back and see like people slipping on it. Um, yeah, it was, but yet that team is allowed to stay in the league where Cincinnati wasn't allowed to come in, and Hidalgo was kicked out. And then we go forward to Seattle negotiating its way out of the league and being replaced by the team that probably should have been there to begin with. Yeah, and after that you have Tulsa forfeiting the game, moving facilities, and then forfeiting the game because they couldn't get because of turf issues. And then so they forfeited the game to Chicago, but or well, I guess actually the first thing was Tulsa was playing in St. Louis the night before, and Chicago was informed that Tulsa's arena wouldn't be ready, so they had stopped in Chicago. And then they were like, oh, why don't we play the game in St. Louis? Because St. Louis is going to be home the next day and so basically make it a bit of a doubleheader. And originally that was the plan. That was actually announced by by the league. They had put out a, 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 uh, a quick little press release about that, saying that that was going to happen and more details were to follow. And then the next morning, nope, the game's canceled, no game. Chicago's going back to Chicago. Tulsa went back to Tulsa. And it turned out to be a forfeit for Tulsa in that situation. Yeah, and that was truly bizarre because both teams were in St. Louis, ready to play. the The ambush bent over backwards to get everything ready for them, and you know, to make sure the lights were on and vendors were there if need be, and you know, what ushers. Not that they would have had a whole lot of people, but. Um, you know, they were doing everything they needed to do to be able to put on another show in the, you know, with with basically 16 hours notice. And then at 11, because I asked about this specifically, at 11.30 a.m. that morning, because they were going to play, I think, at 2 or 3 in the afternoon. At 11.30 that morning, Chicago was told by Tulsa, sorry, we went home. Oh, and yeah, Tulsa's but- hotel bill was actually paid by St. Louis also, if I said correctly. <laughs> For the extra night, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, and and well, yeah. and then then Tulsa's move brings up another thing that's been great about the league: the the teams that are drawing less than less than a thousand people. I mean, part of the reason for the the league originally was to bring in the strongest teams, not just the not just the likes of San Diego, Baltimore, Missouri, and, and that like, but to to get some other stronger teams that would pull in better crowds than 400, 500 something people. I mean, going back to Seattle, I think there was one game where somebody actually posted that they counted 86 people in the stands for the game. And that's, I mean, that just goes back to when there was a PASL team here and I was at one of the game. I was at their first game and standing there next to staff members, and I don't want to name them here, but uh, <laughs> and listen to them say, "Well, how many people was here?" Uh, well, let me divide by ten the amount of money I have in my pocket because that was they charged ten dollars to get in. And then he did. He looked at me and then goes, "Uh, three hundred. And the guy goes, three hundred's uh, you don't want to have an even number. It sounds bad." He goes, three eleven. Okay, that was just that was the attendance. Um, it just reminds me of that with some of these teams. And 
it just again it boggles the mind that these are teams that are supposed to be professional and and I can understand where we have some teams that are weaker than others. I understand that there's some teams that need to elevate their game. Um, it, it's almost it's it's almost as bad that there's been um, the the product on the field has been so lopsided in some cases. You know, uh, the Comets playing Tulsa, for example, and some of these other teams. But it's been just as lopsided in the in the box office and the and the quality of the. Uh, show that the teams have put on at times. It's just, it's, and, and this is not an indictment of all the old PASL teams. I mean, you got a lot of very good teams, uh, San Diego, Dallas, Monterey. They're good teams. They put on great shows. They have good arenas. They do good things. But there's some of these lesser teams. It's just amazing that they even came into this league. No, I, yeah, it's it's hard to see it at, at sometimes how how the likes of Tulsa, how the likes of uh, uh, Oxford, how how the likes of even Chicago again um, is how, how those teams are really going to be able to to give it another go round here in uh, in the fall for for another season basically. Yeah, and I mean, Chicago seems to never draw well, but that's because they have so many great ethnic indoor leagues there that draws uh, great attendance. But it, it's just, again, I don't want to keep saying it, but it's incredible that some of these teams are going to survive or, you know, that they hope they'll survive. Um, but now the, the, the most recent head-scratching, mind-boggling thing is the playoffs. They 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 wait until pretty much the teams are decided of who's going to be in the playoffs before they announce the playoff format, and then we find out that there's different two different playoff formats. There's one for the East and there's one for the West. Yeah, the the yeah with the and they're doing it under the guise of uh, of uh, arena availability is the reason why the teams in the West. Uh, I believe it's Texas and Las Vegas will not have home games. The uh, basically real quick, the playoff breakdown is three teams from each of the four divisions qualify for the playoffs. Two seed plays three seed winner plays the one seed. Um, but in the Western conference, the two, three matchup is going to be just one game. It's going to be uh, Vegas at Ontario and, uh, Texas at Dallas and the winner of each of those one game playoffs go goes on to play uh, San Diego and Monterey respectively. Meanwhile, in the Eastern conference, you have uh, Chicago, the three seed in the central will host the two seed Milwaukee uh, one weekend. And then the following weekend, Milwaukee will host, uh, host Chicago. So in the, in the West, in the Eastern conference, you have a home and home series. Yeah. And then the Comets get a Thursday night game to host. <laughs> yeah. It really does a big favor there being the first place. Yeah. So it's just a, a really weird situation. And I understand that there are problems with availability, problems with uh, arenas that have multiple uh, pull teams there, multiple events that happen there. I understand that all of that happens, 
But it's not like the NASL is the first league that has had to deal with this situation. I mean, it plays out in minor league arenas all over the country, and I don't recall situations like this really having that big of an effect for lots of other other leagues. It, it's not, it's not something I've seen occur a lot. Yeah, I've, I've seen situations where a team couldn't get a home date um, in, the, in the appropriate time, and they actually moved the game to another facility. You know, maybe in another facility in their area, or maybe they even played twice at the other team's place because they couldn't manage their own facility. But to just have two different formats and um, then to, you know, the the comments, the the first place team in the league, the the, home, the ones who should have the home field advantage for everything, they get a Thursday night game <laughs> it's like, um, during school season. You know, it's... And, and then on top I, of that, I'm we sure don't the comments the... have to be chicken red. Well, and then on top of that, we don't technically even know the format after the uh, after the the divisional rounds. We don't know whether the Comets will, if the Comets advance, if it's a home and home against the likes of Baltimore, or if it's a one game in Missouri because Missouri has a better record, uh, or, or what's going to happen with the with the conference finals. And we also don't know what's going to happen with the NASL finals yet. We we don't know any of that information yet. Yeah, they just kind of give date ranges. They don't actually say what happens, do they? Yeah, they, they, you, we just got a range of dates. It has the semifinals will be placed sometime between here and here, and that's all we got. Uh, is there anything major that we missed along the line of how screwed up this league is? I, I I don't I mean, think so. I, I don't know. Yeah, there, there are plenty of little things. I mean, uh, uh, Ken Ken Tomas uh, got big, big into attendance figures, big into soccer in general. He he wrote up a a thing a couple weeks ago uh, about all of the MASL's problems. I think he called it titled it "Worst League Ever" in uh, in comic book man fashion from the Simpsons basically and he broke down most of the uh most of the laughable moments and I think I think we've at least hit the high points of all of those tonight. Yeah and, uh, and don't get me wrong, there's been plenty of other little things like inconsistent refereeing, you know, not knowing the rules. I mean those are things that have plagued low level leagues around the world forever and I mean probably will forever. Um, like and, it it, play, you know, it plagues MLS. It plagues the EPL. It's not just minor leagues yeah. that are that are yeah. hit by ref inconsistency. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's you know, I mean, people complain about MLS, and I'm like, I sit there and watch an EPL game, and then you know, hear, hear everybody about how that was a bad call. It's like the refereeing is going to be always the worst when your team doesn't get a call, and it'll be always, yeah, it wasn't bad today when your team gets a call. It's just kind of the way it works, but. The, I don't think they even. I don't think all the refs knew all the rules when the, the league started. Um, it just again, I don't want to single any of them out, but it just seems that some of them didn't read the rules very carefully before they started refing these games. Um, you know, especially like the um, shootouts and things like that early in the season. But it hasn't necessarily gotten better. Um, some of the teams, the um, quality. Now, now I do want to say on some bright spots. I see some of the teams that were complete, horrendously horrible teams in the first part of the year have improved. 
they've gotten some experience against the better teams, and they've like, hey, wait a minute, <laughs> this is how you actually play this game. Not that they've come close to beating the Comets, but I even though even this last game against Tulsa, which was just you know utter destruction, I saw some bright spots for Tulsa that they were starting to piece together how to play the game, and they were finding guys who could do it. Um, they they need a lot more talent, and they need a lot more time, and they need some coaching. But I could see how they were actually learning how to play it a little bit. They had a they had like a a five minute span where they controlled the game. And yeah, the comments just needed to turn it up a notch, but they couldn't have done that in the beginning of the year. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, absolutely. It, I, I mean, Tulsa's, Tulsa has shown some improvement. I mean, the. Uh, I, for for a better for a better look at it, I think you could even look at a team like Chicago. I think all you gotta do is look at the um, not even the first game in Chicago. I think you could uh, I, I because I'm not sure how many people saw that, but like the the first game Chicago played in Kansas City versus the the second game, and you can just see a you could see a big difference in the way the the two teams played, uh, but. but in those two games. I mean, Chicago in the first game got absolutely run off the field in the first quarter because they they were trying to they were trying to play the old PASL style that they had used to basically run the league the year before where they just ran at people and and teams couldn't stop them with their speed and then they ran into the the comets and who could run with them and they just they just flat out dominated them defensively when they tried to run at them, and they countered. And by the end of the first quarter, it was something like seven to one. So, by, by the end of the season, the improvement that you saw from Chicago was very apparent from uh, from the way they played the game. Oh, I, and I agree. I think that they probably are one of the best examples. Um, and they actually hired uh, assistant coach Dino Delevsky, who played in the old old MISL and uh, is a good friend of Vlaco's. Um, so um, Chicago may be a real force to be reckoned with in the playoffs and for next year if they can keep that core group of players. Because uh, like you said, early in the year, they were they were talented players. They could dribble, they could pass, they could shoot, but they didn't have the organization, and they were basically used to just running over the other teams easily. And then they run into Comets and Milwaukee and teams like that, and they went, oh, Got to change up, and they did. They're adapting. Um, I think, and I think a few of the other teams are doing that as well. No, I I, I definitely agree with that. There, there's been lots of improvement from from the league this year. It's just, and and, and I and I will preface. I still enjoy it. I think the main thing that's really turned me off of indoor soccer this year a little bit has been that uh, has been. The, the league itself. It hasn't been the players. It hasn't really been the games for the most part. It's been the the decisions at the league level that have really bugged me about the way the NASL is doing things. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, even, I would say you have instances in in a lot of leagues now where owners will get on social media, specifically Twitter, and say some things that Maybe they shouldn't, but, you know, it brings in fans and stuff. But I've never seen so many owners get on uh, Facebook and chatter at each other and then at people that work for the league also that are on 
doing things on forums and Facebook and saying stuff about other teams. It's just, uh, I, I, I mean, I would like to think that we, our, my house is run more professionally than that is than the league at this point. Yeah, it, it, it's yeah. I, I'm not. I'm just not sure how to um, how to explain what is. Um, it, it's just hard to to really justify some of the stuff that goes on. I mean, you'll see. You'll see the likes of Rob Heineman and uh, and Merritt Polson and those guys get on Twitter. They'll jaw at each other a little bit. Occasionally, they'll say something that um, that that they end up regretting that turns up on on BuzzFeed or something with uh, a, a headline that that they'll then go into Twitter hibernation for month, two months at a time. But you don't see just you don't see some of the stuff that you're seeing where teams, where where front office people, where where owners, where any of that are just flat out disparaging to other teams, to the league itself, to any of that. You you don't you don't really see that for the most part unless the person's name is Mark Cuban. Yeah, and even I then, think, Cuban I think keeps it to a minimum. Yeah, very true. <laughs> of course, his his mistakes cost him a half million dollars at a shot. Um, I think I really do. I mean, I, like I said, I, I want to give the league credit. You know, it's it's been fun having other teams to play. I've seen other teams, you know, stepping up and becoming better, and then uh, bringing in different coaching. Like Wichita brought in Kim to coach, and uh, Chicago, you know, Dulewski. Um and, and you know some of the other teams have brought in new players and you know did some things to improve the, what's on the field and I think that's good. Some haven't, but a lot of them have. It's just that overall the league needs to put forth a professional image, not a run out of the mom's basement type of image. No, absolutely. But, um, it, it... I just didn't want to make. I want to make sure I'm not being too unfair there, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm perfectly fine with being unfair to a point. It, it really is. It really is disappointing the way the way some things have gone down. I mean, I, I don't know any other way to to say it other other than that. Yeah, I would agree. Um, Let's see. Anything else to wrap up this podcast? Because we're we're about out of our official allotted time. We got about four minutes left. Um, no, I, I think we've ragged on the league enough for for the <laughs> night. Um, this weekend, Sunday, three o'clock, I believe. Uh, on Sunday, Comets Tacoma. Uh, we get to see Tacoma. We were kind of hoping it would be Seattle because we didn't think they would make it, and we might get an opportunity to play. Um, <laughs> But I think Tacoma might actually show up. So, prediction, comments over Tacoma, maybe? Prediction? Uh, yeah, comments win by... To, I, 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 think, oh. I think, well, let's see. They, I, I was pulling the numbers earlier tonight to see kind of where they were. They're averaging, basically, their average win this year has been by almost seven goals a game. So, I'll go with seven. Comets win by seven. 
Um, okay. I'll I'll go with uh, sixteen four. So by about twelve. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> that works. Um. All right. Well, appreciate having you on, Mike. Uh, unlike Jeff, who went out and couldn't couldn't hang. Um, but we need to have another one of these uh, probably next week and see if we can decipher the uh, future playoffs at that point, maybe. All in all, though, it has been fun to watch the comments and it has been fun to watch the league. Um, and in some bizarre, twisted, sadistic way, it's been kind of fun to try to decipher what the hell the league's doing, too. But Yeah. Because Right. Um, well, thanks for joining, Mike, and we will be um, talking soon, I'm sure. This is Thad from the Blue Testament. Mike from down the byline. All right. Appreciate it, Mike. Yep. Have a good one, Thad. You too. From the front porch, there's a party on in here. Well, it's a football night. Well, it's a football night. We can gather all our friends all around the stove. It's not a bad thing to do. Well, it's a football night. Well, it's a football night. When I find out it's the blood, you know we're going to feel all right. You gents beware Where's the fight all night? Where's the fight all night? We can gather all the friends All around the stone That's not a better thing to do Where's the fight all night? Where's the fight all night? When the final whistle blows We're gonna celebrate tonight When the final whistle blows We're gonna celebrate tonight When the final whistle blows You know we're gonna feel alright